I'd invite you to pray with me. Gracious and holy God, as we turn uh, to the word that comes to us from the prophet Habakkuk once more this day, God, we just pray that you would be with us, that you would send your spirit into our midst uh, so that whatever might be getting in the way of us hearing the message you have for us today, uh, that we would just be free from it that you would uh, release us from uh, what is heavy on our hearts or burdening our minds or our spirits this day so that we can just be present to you and your word, trusting uh, that you have a word, an important word to speak into our hearts and lives this day. God, we are grateful for you in this time and the word that you have given to us. Be with us, O oh Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So today we are finishing uh, the book of the prophet Habakkuk um, as we turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. The central question that is asked by Habakkuk is how can all the injustice he is witnessing within the nation of Israel and around it, how can that injustice exist? If Israel belongs to a good, just, and all-powerful God. With this larger question, Habakkuk also seeks to discern what it looks like to live as the righteous. To live in right relationship in the midst of all of the injustice that exists and the conflict that unfolds as its consequence. Today we hear an answer in the form of a prayer. It is written in the style of the ancient psalms, which were the Israelites' hymn, hymns, their song that, the songbook for their worship. So let us listen together to Habakkuk's prayer this day. Lord, I have heard your reputation. I have seen your work. Over time, revive it. Over time, make it known. Though angry, remember compassion. God comes from Taman and the Holy One from the mountain of Paran. Selah. His majesty covers the heavens and his praise fills the earth. His radiance is like the sunlight with rays flashing from his hand. That is the hiding place of his power. Pestilence walks in front of him. Plague marches at his feet. He stops and measures the earth. He looks and sets out against the nations. The everlasting mountains collapse. The eternal hills bow down. The eternal paths belong to him. I saw the tents of Cushion under duress. The curtains of the land of Midian were quaking. Was the Lord raging against the rivers, or was your anger directed against the rivers? Or was your fury directed against the sea when you rode on your horses or rode your chariots to victory? You raise up your empty bow, uttering curses for the arrows. With rivers you split open the earth, the mountains see you and writhe, a flood of water rushes through. The deep utters its voice, it raises its hands aloft. Sun and moon stand still high above. With the light your arrows shoot, 
your spear at the flash of lightning. In fury you stride the earth, in anger you tread the nations. You go out to save your people. For the salvation of your anointed, you smashed the head of the house of wickedness, laying bare the foundation up to the neck. You pierce the head of his warrior with his own spear. His warriors are driven off. Those who take delight in oppressing us, those who take pleasure in secretly devouring the poor. You make your horses tread on the sea, turbulent waters foam. I hear and my insides tremble. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones. I tremble while I stand, while I wait for the day of distress to come against the people who attack us. Though the fig tree doesn't bloom and there's no produce on the vine, though the olive crop withers and the fields don't provide food, though the sheep is cut off from the pen and there is no cattle in the stalls, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance. The Lord God is my strength. He will set my feet like the deer. He will let me walk upon the heights. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. In this prayer of Habakkuk, we hear the dialogue between him and God continue. He opens with words that, based on the study of the original language, scholars recognize could be Habakkuk remembering what God has already done, or it could be Habakkuk imploring God to action. Like has happened already in our study of this book, I love taking the both-and approach here. I imagine that there is both a remembering of God's faithful action in the lives of the people in their path, as there is also an urgent prayer for God to act once again. Lord, I have heard your reputation. I have seen your work. Over time, revive it. Over time, make it known. Though angry, remember compassion. That last line, we repeated it in our prayer of confession today, in wrath remember compassion in part because we know that if we are honest about the state of our world we can only begin to imagine the wrath of god that is its result though you are angry god habakkuk pleads remember compassion then after that brief introduction god's response comes this time not in words but in a theophany a divine appearance that includes images of both God as a human warrior stepping powerfully and victoriously into battle, as well as images of God moving through the forces of nature. They work together to show God's control and dominion over both human history and cosmic orders. There is the assertion once again that God does reign over this unjust world and that in the end, God's justice will come to pass. Earlier in Habakkuk, the righteous were implored to have faith, 
to trust God's vision. As the New Interpreter's Bible commentary asserts, here God's vision unfolds before us in this apocalyptic hymn, a hymn that reveals, uncovers what is to come. A future that will bring the end of historical evil and the inauguration of God's cosmic reign. Here we find an apocalyptic resolution to the problem of injustice raised by the prophet. This chapter states that not only does the vision of God's justice sustain the righteous, not only does the self-destructive character of injustice we talked about last week give the righteous hope, but also the hope of the righteous is strengthened by the confidence that God is bringing the world's affairs to a decisive conclusion, a conclusion in which God's just rule, for which Habakkuk longed and struggled, will be unconditionally established. Of course, we are left again with Habakkuk, wondering how we live in the meantime. What does it look like to live as the righteous, as those living in right relationship with God, with one another, with the earth, as we await and lean toward God's promised justice? Habakkuk, who began this dialogue in deep lament and despair, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? ends this conversation with God in a wholly different place. Though the fig tree doesn't bloom and there's no produce on the vine, though the olive crop withers and the fields don't provide food, though the sheep is cut off from the pen and there is no cattle in the stalls, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance, my salvation, the Lord God is my strength. He will set my fear like feet like the deer. He will let me walk upon the heights. Diana Butler Bass, who's a Christian historian, writer, and speaker, had a similar experience recently when she and her husband took their annual trip to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. They arrived in the midst of a heat wave, much like the one we suffered this past week. In addition to the extreme heat, Butler Bass found her beloved ocean shore littered with carcasses of jellyfish, a symptom of the North Atlantic's ocean's warming. She found herself in a similar place of deep lament and despair over the state of things in our world. That night, she and her husband sat on their deck and stared up at the stars. The sky was clear, the stars bright, and as they sat just beyond the edge of the continent, looking out toward the sea where the Milky Way was visible, they were voicing their own laments as they looked out upon the heavens. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, a meteor streaked overhead. They both gasped and watched its long tail dissolve into stardust. Ah, spirit, God. She writes, And then the memory of an ancient story arose. A question. Where were you, God asked Job, when I founded the earth? 
the book of Job, the prophetical counterpart to Habakkuk, records God's answer to that rhetorical question. Where were you when I founded the earth? Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. Can you tie the bands of the Pleiades or loose Orion's reins? Can you bring constellations out in their season? Lead the great bear with its children. Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you fix their rule on the earth? Who has placed in the hidden parts of wisdom? Or who gave the mind understanding? Who counted the skies in wisdom and the jars of the heavens? Who tilted when the dust melts to a mass and the clods cling fast together? Just as Job and Habakkuk before her continued to hold their lament and woe, so did she, as she sat in that moment, the memory of stardust still visible on the heaven's dark canvas. And yet, she writes, those stars, from the wounded earth upon which we walk to the Pleiades and Orion that we cannot reach, God is there with us, on our horizon, all around us, beyond us. Ah, something vast, no words can contain this sense, this creating, pulsing, loving presence that envelops everything. Amid the gloom, she writes, awe is all I have left. <clears throat> It is that same awe onto which Habakkuk holds amid the gloom of his own time. Fig trees that do not blossom, vines with no fruit, trees with no olives, fields that yield no food, stalls with no herds. Yet I will rejoice, Habakkuk proclaims. Yet I will stand in awe of the God of my salvation, the Lord who is my strength. Butler Brass goes on to write about how important that awe can really be. She says, in recent years, social scientists have discovered that awe is a lot. Oddly enough, feeling personal insignificance winds up being a powerful motivator for doing good. Experiences of silence and meditation Staring at the stars, listening to a great symphony, or taking in a vision of the divine as Habakkuk has invited us to do. All of these things enhance what scientists call pro-social tendencies. Wanting to help, assisting those in danger, caring for those who are suffering, sharing resources, collaborating and cooperating with others for the greater good. These great things make us feel small, give us perspective, and lead us to find richer meaning in connection with nature and our neighbors and the God to whom we all belong. Bass writes, 
Each one of us matters. The New Testament speaks of a God who can number the hairs on our head and cares for every sparrow. And despite the fact that it is a small planet in a vast galaxy in a, in a what might be infinite universe, Earth matters. It is our very insignificance in this awe-inducing, boundless, ever-surprising, and expansive wonder of our existence that can compel us to save each other and save this tiny world we inhabit. As the grace of God moves us and empowers us to live in right relationship with all that is. In the face of our own laments, as we lift up our own concern and complaint over the injustice of our times, may we also stand in awe before the God from whom, which all generations and all creation has come, to which each of us and the whole cosmos belongs. May Habakkuk's words echo within us. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance, my salvation. Amen.